0: All right. Good evening, everybody. Good to see you all. Does everybody have a handout tonight? There are some in the back. I hope that everybody was aware of that. Located one of those for yourself. All right. You can go ahead and open your Bibles to the uh, Old Testament, the early part of it there. You can go to the book of Deuteronomy, even though we're probably going to be working back from that. And uh, like previously, um, I don't have a central text that i'm working from we're going to be using several different passages looking at a lot actually a a pretty broad section of uh, the law here tonight Um, but so we're not going to read passages to get started with i want to pray for us the uh, covenant that we're going to be looking at tonight is the deuteronomic covenant and that follows on to some of the covenants that we've looked at over the last couple of sunday nights that we've had together and um Hope that this has been good good for us. You know, uh, sometimes there's a balance between teaching and preaching, and the way that I would uh, divide the two up is teaching is education, and preaching is exhortation, and so that's kind of the way I look at it, and these, this is really a lot of teaching uh, as we're looking through these covenants, but at the same time, there's exhortation mixed in there, so uh, but that's okay. There, we do need to have times of education. Our small groups should be a time of education for the church, in particular, where we're really teaching sound doctrine uh, to to the church, teaching biblical theology to the church. And I hope that this ties into that education part for us all. So let's pray to the Lord together. Our Father, we do come to you as our rock, as Knowing that Jesus was the rock who was with the Israelites in the wilderness. We, Lord, know today that Jesus Christ is our rock and it's on him that, Father, we have uh, founded our, our lives because, Lord, we have heard his word, but God, it must not end there. We must obey his word. And the one who obeys, hears and obeys is the one who has built his house upon the rock. And Father, I just pray that that we would um, Lord grow in our hearing and grow in our obeying the word of the Lord. And as we look to the law tonight in this covenant, the Deuteronomic covenant, I pray, Lord God, that that we would behold wondrous things from your law. In Jesus name, I pray. Amen. All right. So Let's just go ahead and jump in here tonight and work, start working through our handout. And uh, As I said to you, we're, we're looking at the Deuteronomic Covenant, and this may also be called the Palestinian Covenant. Uh, I've never known it that way, but as I was just kind of researching this, uh, I've known this covenant as the Deuteronomic Covenant, and there may actually be a slight difference here. Because in Deuteronomy 30, verses 1 through 10, that's the passage that is associated with the or the Palestinian covenant. And that's the promise of God bringing the people into the land, even after he has uh, sent them out of the land by judgment. He makes a promise there that he will bring them back to the land after captivity. So you might see it referred to as the Palestinian covenant. Another way you might see this uh, covenant referred to is the covenant at Moab. And we'll talk about this more here in a little bit, but this is a covenant that was established at Moab, whereas the previous covenant, the Mosaic covenant, was established at Mount Sinai. And again, we'll look at that in a moment. All right, Palestinian covenant and uh, the covenant at Moab all right palestinian is kind of a long word to have to write i hope everybody's got that one down there we're going to go to our next point now is covenants and signs let's do a little review of what we've seen so far we have the noaic covenant sign is the rainbow all right so with the Noahic covenant sign is the rainbow now uh before i pull the next point up, the abrahamic covenant sign what is it does anybody remember Circumcision, that's right. So we have circumcision as the sign of the Abrahamic covenant. And then we go to the Mosaic covenant. So you might remember what the sign for the Mosaic covenant is. The Sabbath, all right? So the Sabbath is the sign of the Mosaic covenant. Uh, Noahic covenant, is this conditional or Unconditional. Unconditional. That means there's no conditions placed upon it from God that the other side of the covenant has to uphold. God says in that that He will look upon His rainbow and He will remember it and He will flood the earth no more. The Abrahamic covenant, is that conditional or unconditional? It's unconditional, that's right. God says that He is going to uh, bless Abraham, that He is going to make Abraham a blessing. Okay? What about the Mosaic covenant? Conditional or unconditional? It's conditional because in the Mosaic covenant, uh, as we looked at last week, there were the I do's. God says what he's going to do. The people of Israel say everything you've said we will do. So they had an agreement. They said they were going to uphold what God was requiring of them. So that is a conditional covenant. And I would say as well that the the Deuteronomic Covenant, at least in the way that I'm presenting it to you tonight, is also a conditional covenant. It is also a conditional covenant. Alright, so let's continue on here. What happened between Exodus 24 and Deuteronomy chapter 1? We're going to have a few points here to summarize what happens in these chapters from Exodus 24 to Deuteronomy 1. Now, uh, why am I pointing out Exodus 24? Anybody know why I'm going from there to Deuteronomy chapter 1? Does anybody remember? That's where the I do was done right there. Where they uh, the marriage ceremony, if you will, between Israel and God, Yahweh, uh, happened there in Exodus 24. So that's why I'm uh, looking at this particular part. So here's what we're going to see first of all. In uh, Exodus 32 verses 1 through 19, we see broken laws and broken tablets. It's um, it's telling, isn't it, that the marriage agreement was made on in, in Exodus 24 and by Exodus 32, the people had already broken the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. And then they broke the second commandment in doing that. You shall not make unto yourself a carved image. And you might remember the story, if you want to turn there, in Exodus 32, And we can only look at these very briefly, where uh, Moses had been up on the mountain and the people began to complain. In verse 1, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that... That shall go before us for as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron, in verse two, said to them, break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron and he received the gold from their hands and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Then they said, "This." Then they said, "This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt." So when Moses, when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, "Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord." So this golden calf, and you could go on to read again. We can't read all of that right now, but. Um, you know, bad, bad stuff's happening there. Verse 19 is where you get the broken tablets. and This is when Moses... Uh, well, verse 19, it says, So it was, as soon as he came near the camp, speaking of Moses, that he saw the camp and the dancing. So Moses' anger became hot, and he cast the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the door at the foot of the mountain. All right, So broken tablets. This is like cheating on your spouse before the honeymoon's even over with. You know, going on a honeymoon after the wedding and before it's over with you've already committed adultery with them, with somebody else. I meant to bring up last week, uh, what prophet, what prophet wrote and uh, used, uh, and that prophet was a living illustration of a marriage uh, where there was Unfaithfulness. What what prophet? Hosea. So Hosea is a living example of what God did here in Exodus 24 and how the people responded to it. All right, the next point. And I, I don't know if I left y'all blank on that. I don't think I did, but you can underline, underline the word Lord I meant to. But uh, it's the, the name of the Lord is proclaimed. I, if, if you'll turn over just a page there, Maybe. That's what I had to do in my Bible, but this is a significant, uh, very significant portion of Scripture. It's a very significant uh, account in verse eighteen of chapter thirty-three, and this is as Moses and the Lord are having a conversation back and forth about them going up into the going going on from Sinai. And as he says, and all of this is wonderful, I'm not going to read all of it for the sake of time, but verse 18, And he said, Please, show me your glory. That's what Moses wanted to see. He said, Please, show me your glory. Then in verse 19, he said, God said to him, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. All right. Now let's stop there and go to verse chapter thirty four, verses six uh, five through seven. Exodus thirty four, five. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. All right. Now notice this, please. That as uh, the Lord Yahweh as He is here before Moses. He descended in the cloud. And he proclaimed the name of the Lord. And here's what he said. Verse 6. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed. The Lord. The Lord God. Merciful and gracious. Long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. Keeping mercy for thousands. And the indication here is that it's thousands of generations. Deuteronomy 7, 9 would be a reference to turn to to see thousands of generations. All right, going on from there. For forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So please note this, that when the Lord proclaimed His name, when the Lord um, gave a description, a, f- a more detailed description of what His name means, who He is, this is what He said: merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands of generations. But that doesn't mean that He does nothing about sin, because He does not uh, He does not clear the guilty, but the sins of the the guilty is actually visited. The consequences of that are upon the third and fourth generation to the the children's children, to the third and fourth generation. Now, we might look at that and say, oh, the third and fourth generation, generation—that's terrible that God would do that. Look at the mercy that He has to thousands of generations. But... His judgment is only on the third and fourth generations. If you compare the two, we see that the mercy and long suffering of God and the forgiveness of God far exceeds what he has said in his, in his judgment. Now, as you think about this passage, and I'll just drop this. If you come on Wednesday nights and have been for a while, uh, a couple years back, you know that this is the most often quoted or referenced passage by other Bible writers. Other writers throughout the Scripture will either quote Exodus 34, 6, and 7 or quote a portion of it or refer to it more than any other passage of Scripture in the Bible. All right, now, let's go to the next one. Month-long seminar on holiness that we call Leviticus. All right. So there's a month long seminar on holiness and we call this the book of Leviticus. Um, you can see the timestamps in Exodus 40, 17 and Numbers 1, 1, where it's one month that transpired while the people, while the book of Leviticus, while the contents of Leviticus were given to the people. All right? um, not going to look into that. but We'll go to the next one. All right, so there were a couple of near-extinction experiences here as well. A couple of near-extinction experiences. If you've read through the law, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You may have you may remember them, and you can turn back to Exodus 32. And we'll take a quick look at this so you'll understand what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, in this first part, this is where the golden calf incident occurred, and the people um, worship other gods. Or another God. Now, if you look at verse 9, Exodus 32. If y'all got that this evening, would you say amen? All right. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people. And indeed, this, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them. And now notice what he says at the end of verse 10. And I will make of you a great nation. So at this point, God is apparently uh, ready to just uh, make these people an extinct people. And then he's going to take Moses. And from Moses, he's going to carry out his plan. Prior to that, it was through Abraham But it's like here he's going to say, all right, Moses, you're going to be the one. It's going to be from you that this is going to happen. But notice what uh, Abraham does. Let's see. I'm sorry. Yeah, what Moses does. See here, I think. Yeah, verse 13. We'll skip down to verse 13. Here's how Moses reasons with God. Remember Abraham, Isaac and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. And all this land that I have spoken of, I give to your descendants and they shall inherit it. Verse 14. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. You see what, um, Abraham, what Moses references? He references The promises, the covenant made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And after he did that, God relented. He did not um, cause the people to be extinct there. Let's go to the next one, Numbers 14. If you'll flip over there with me to Numbers 14. Numbers 14, uh, verse... Verse 11, we'll pick up right there. Numbers 14, verse 11. All right, now we'll see this in a second, but the people have not obeyed the Lord, not gone into the promised land. I actually should have changed the order of this. But verse 11, uh, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me with all the signs which I have performed among them? I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. And then from there, Moses begins to reason with God again as he did before. And down in verse 19, well, hey, look at this, verse uh, 18. What does he reference here in verse 18? Moses um, to God, he says, The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations. What did he reference there? Exodus 34, 6 and 7. And then in verse 19, Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt even t- until now. And then verse 20, Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. All right. All right, so there's a couple of near extinction experiences that occur and we could spend all night on just those two. Um but the next one, next thing that we'll see here is unbelief with uh, big time consequences. This takes us back to numbers 13 and 14 because what happens in numbers in thir- 13 and 14 is some spies are sent into the promised land. Does anybody remember how many spies are sent into the promised land? 12. Good job. Good job. I think y'all been going over some of this on Wednesday nights too, is it right? Uh, so 12 went into the promised land. How long were they in the promised land? Anybody remember? 40 days. They were there for 40 days in the promised land. When they came back, what was the, what was the majority opinion of the situation? Giants, we can't do it. We're like grasshoppers. Our children are going to be killed. <laughs> uh, it's it's not it's, it's not feasible. We can't do this. How many were four going into the Promised Land? Two were. That's right. All right. So the the major unbelief or unbelief here with big consequences is what were the consequences of their unbelief? They had to do what? What? What'd you say? Wander 40 years. in the, Why 40 years? years for One year for every day they were there. 40 years because they were there for 40 days. The Bible tells us here somewhere around Numbers mm-hmm. 14. All right. So this is big time consequences. And guess who's going to die off in that 40 years? Yes. Moses will. He will die at the end of that. But also... The first generation. Everybody, all those adults who did not believe and they said, oh, our children are going to be killed. Well, those all, all those adults who said our children are going to die, they died. The children grew up and the children went in to the promised land and they conquered the promised land by the power of God. So it's unbelief with big time consequences. Now, Uh, The last last one is this, generations dead and grown. (laughs) Um, Generations dead and grown, just like I just talked to you about. The first generation would die. The second generation would grow up, and that's the ones who would go into the promised land. All right, generations dead and grown. All right, that kind of covers... I think what happens between Exodus 24 and Deuteronomy 1. Now, here's uh, just a couple of um, some side notes here as you flip over your handout. First thing we see here, and I'll just kind of frame it to you in this way that the Mosaic covenant is the Old Covenant 1.0. The Deuteronomic covenant is the Old Covenant 2.0. All right? This is. This is the way that I understand this, all right? My encouragement to you is to study all this out as much as you can. You may come to a different uh, understanding than I do, but that's the way that I kind of view these two, the Mosaic Covenant and the Deuteronomic Covenant. Uh, the Mosaic Covenant was made at Sinai or Horeb, Mount Horeb. What other uh, great prophet would run there one day and stay for a while? You might remember. He would... He would flee a queen. Yeah. Were you saying Elijah? Okay. Elijah would go there. Uh, years later, he would go back to Sinai or Mount Horeb, and that's where God would actually speak to him in a still, small voice. The Deuteronomic covenant was made in the land of Moab. If y'all have your Bibles open, and I hope you do, you can turn over to Deuteronomy 29.1. <clears throat> Deuteronomy one. All right. Deuteronomy 29, verse 1. I'll give you all a second to get there. We see that both of these locations are mentioned. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 1. It says, These are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab. All right, so everything we have contained here is what the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel at Moab. Then it goes on and says, besides the covenant which He made with them at Horeb, what's that talking about? That's talking about the Mosaic covenant at Sinai. All right. So this is um, in addition to that, or this is, as I've said to you, 2.0. It contains the old covenant. But there's more. Now, next uh, little point that I have here is why why the old covenant in addition to the Abrahamic covenant? God's given this unconditional covenant to Abraham. Why bring in this old covenant? All right, here's the answer I would give to you on that. That the descendants of Abraham would know how to fear and love the Lord to be a light To the Gentile nations. There's a purpose in all of this. And. If you. When you're reading through the Old Testament. You might notice. At times. uh, Passages that talk about being a light to the Gentiles. Romans chapter 15 actually quotes. I think about three of them there. From the Old Testament. Showing how God is. Was. Was planning to do that through Israel, but ultimately does that through Jesus Christ in the gospel so that the nations can know God and have a relationship with him. Israel was supposed to be uh, a light to them, not the final light, not the ultimate light. That's all pointing to Christ, but they were to be a light to the to the nations. All right, so let's understand Deuteronomy here with an outline. Let's understand Deuteronomy with an outline, then we're going to look into some passages. Uh, the first thing I would say to you, let's understand the history of God's faithfulness, or let's see the, the outline, first point of the outline, as a history of God's faithfulness. And I would ask you to go ahead and turn there in Deuteronomy chapter 1, because that's in essence what happens here in the first four chapters of Deuteronomy. It's wonderful reading. So often we can get to a place in our thoughts about the Old Testament, and usually this happens because of Leviticus and Numbers, that we get discouraged and we just kind of quit before we get to Deuteronomy. Man, if you quit before you get to Deuteronomy, you're missing out on some wonderful, wonderful stuff, some wonderful truth, a wonderful record of what God has done and what He has said to His people. So we see this history starting in chapter 1 and you might see the headings. The you might see the headings here. The previous command to enter Canaan, tribes le- leaders appointed. Uh, verse nineteen of chapter one, Israel's refusal to enter the land. Uh, verse thirty-four, the penalty of Israel's rebellion. And then in chapter two, my heading says the desert years. So it talks about these years when they were wandering in the wilderness, particularly the latter part of that. And I'll I tell you. The from verse 26 through chapter 3, verse 11, slowing down and reading here about the king Sihon and king Og. Man, it's uh, some really important stuff in there. If you can slow down and read through that, even how God gave them the land that they have. And how that God gave them their land ought to be proof to Israel that God's going to give them their land, that he has made a promise to them to give through Abraham. Um, So really good stuff there. Going on through uh, chapter four, there's warnings of idolatry. And uh, cities of refuge, introduction of God's law at the end of it. All right. So this is a history of God's faithfulness. I just commend it to you. Please spend time in Deuteronomy. Second point, though, here is requirements of obedience. From chapter 5 through chapter 26 in Deuteronomy, really kind of lays out the meat of the law. It lays out, I think you can pretty well say that it lays out the Mosaic covenant again to the people and what is expected of them. And you see, what does it start with in chapter 5? What do we see there in chapter 5 that's repeated? The Ten Commandments. All right, So the Ten Commandments are given again in chapter 5. We see it even more clearly in Deuteronomy 5. Actually, that's where I came to learn that God spoke to all the people from Deuteronomy 5. I mean, from the mountain with the Ten Commandments. It's more clearly stated here in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And it's also clearly stated here how the people um, obeying those commands would be an example to the nations so that the nations would look upon them and say, what a wise and understanding people this is and what great laws they have. Let's see. and God would wish that they would... They would fear Him like that all of their days. So the requirements, and this is continued to be laid out through, uh, throughout these chapters here in Deuteronomy. All right? Now, the third point of the outline is 27 through uh, 34, and we'd summarize this just by saying life and land. The way that they're going to have life and land is by obeying what God has said. And that's the way that, that it would happen for them. Right, so, life and land. Right, what I want to do next is give you the three important words and a few references. All right, so, I don't have the references up here, but I'm going to give you the words. The first word is love. And you may be like, love in the book of the, in the, book of the law? Well, that's, is that really a thing there? All right, love and then life. And then the last one is land. Love, life, and land. All right. So here's what I want y'all to do. We've got our handout filled out. I want you to have your Bible in hand. And we're going to read through a few passages to hopefully see some of this. All right. So Deuteronomy chapter 7 is where I'd like for us to start. Deuteronomy 7. We'll pick up at verse 7 and read through verse 15. We're going to read. Yeah, and y'all, I know y'all want to write those references down. Sorry. Um, I'll try to make sure I give those to you as clearly as I can. Deuteronomy 7. I'm actually going to start at verse 6. Deuteronomy chapter 7. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. That hearkens us back in our minds to Exodus chapter 19, I think, verse 4. Verse 7, The Lord did not set His love on you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any other people. For you were the least of all peoples. But because the Lord loves you, and because... He would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers. The Lord has brought you out of the land. I'm sorry, out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Therefore, know that the Lord, your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations. There it is right there. See verse nine a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. And he repays those who hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Therefore, you shall keep the commandment, the statutes, and the judgments which I command you today to observe them. Verse 12. Then it shall come to pass, Because you listen to these judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the mercy which He swore to your fathers. And He will love you and bless you and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of the womb and the fruit of your land, your grain and your new wine and your oil, the increase of your Cattle and the offspring of your flock in the land which he swore to your fathers to give you. You shall be blessed above all peoples. There shall not be a male or female barren among you or among your livestock. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt, which you have known but He will lay them on all those who hate you. All right? So this is an example here of love. In this we see the love of the Lord for His people in choosing them. If you'll turn over to chapter, chapter 9. All right, chapter 9. Let's go ahead and read verse 4 through probably 8. All right, chapter 9. Here he says, Do not think in your heart after the Lord your God has cast them out before you, saying, because of my righteousness, let's go back, let's go back to verse 1. Uh, chapter nine, verse one hero, Israel, you are to cross over the Jordan today and to go in to dispossess nations greater and mightier than yourself. Cities great and fortified up to heaven, a people great and tall, the descendants of the Anakim, whom you know, and of whom you heard it said, who can stand before the descendants of Anak? Therefore, Understand today that the Lord your God He is uh, is He who goes over before you as a consuming fire. He will destroy them and bring them down before you. So you shall drive them out and destroy them quickly, as the Lord has said to you. Verse verse 4. Do not think in your heart after the Lord your God has cast them out before you, saying... Because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me in to possess this land. But it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out before you. It is not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you go in to possess their their land. But because of the wickedness of these nations, that the Lord your God drives them out before you, from before you and that He will fulfill the word which He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Therefore, understand in verse 6 that the Lord your God is not giving you this land be, to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a stiff-necked people. Remember, do not forget how you provoke the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness from the day that you departed from the land of Egypt until the Until you came to this place, you have been rebellious against the Lord. Also, in Horeb, you provoked the Lord to wrath so that the Lord was was angry enough with you to have destroyed you. Uh, So um, I'll stop right there. But you see in this, and you might write that reference down, Deuteronomy chapter 9, 1 through 9, under land, under land As this is something that's prominent that is promised to them throughout. All right. Let's see here. Let's go ahead while we're here, go to chapter 11. Go to chapter 11. All right. Chapter 11 does a good job of summarizing chapters 27, 28, and 29. Um, Let me see here. Let's go to verse 8, and I'll see about how much we read here. Verse 8 of uh, Deuteronomy 11. Therefore, you shall keep every commandment which I command you today, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land which you cross over to possess and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers, to them and their descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey. For the land which you go in to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. But the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water, from the reign of heaven, a land from for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it, from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul, Then I will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain your new wine and your oil. Just a couple more verses here. And I will send grass on your fields for your livestock that you may eat and be filled. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you. And He shut up the heavens so that there be no rain and the land yield no produce and you perish quickly from the land which the Lord is giving you. So in this reference, Deuteronomy 11, I think we started at verse 8 and read through verse um, 17. You could go on from there. Is a promise of life, It's a promise of land. And it also shows how they are to love the Lord. All right, You see all three of those in this example. uh, They are to love the Lord by obeying His commands. In that obedience and love toward the Lord who already loved them, they dwell in the land that was promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And as they are in that land... They continue to obey and they have life in that land. The life and the land of the people were very very closely connected. All right, so I think we've looked at this enough. I want to ask you to turn in Deuteronomy to the end of it and I'm just going to point this out to you and we're done for tonight. There's a lot, lot more that we could look at um, on this and probably should. But chapters 27... 28 and 29 are key, along with chapter 30. But you'll see, does anybody have a heading at the top of chapter 29? Is there a heading at the top of 29 for anybody? The covenant renewal? Mine says at Moab. So the covenant renewal here is the renewal, from what I understand, of the Mosaic covenant with the people. At the end of chapter 26 and in 27 and 29, there's kind of an I do type of thing, but it's nothing like what you saw before. The people are more told that God is making this covenant with you. There is not an opportunity for them to respond and say, we will do it. Why? Because they had already said that they would do it in Exodus 24. Here, it's just a renewal of that covenant where they say, where, where Moses says, God is going to do this. This is what He says He will do. And this is He what He says you must do in response. All right, so I'm going to stop there. Deuteronomy is the key to understanding the rest of the Old Testament. If you don't understand Deuteronomy and its importance, you won't understand Jeremiah when he is proclaiming the covenant to the people. The covenant he was preaching was the Mosaic Covenant, the Old Covenant, the Deuteronomic Covenant. The blessings and the cursings of chapter 28 that He said that He would bring upon the people in response to obedience and disobedience. Now, uh, Christ... Man, this this covenant is one of uh, the flesh that has to be obeyed. The one that we follow is one of faith because there's somebody who came before us, Jesus Christ... Who obeyed this? He loved the Lord his God with all of his heart, soul, and strength. Jesus did it. That's why, when we're in Christ and we have the Holy Spirit, the righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled in us, Romans 8. And God causes us to love him knowing that He has loved us and given His Son for us. Let's pray together. God, I do thank You for Your Word tonight. Uh, That's a lot to cover. I pray, Lord, as we've looked into this, that we understand more, know a little more. Maybe we don't understand it, but maybe we know a little more. And God, I trust that that understanding will come as we continue to grow in our knowledge of your word and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And Father, not only understanding, but actually wisdom as we see that word being applied through the gospel today for us. So I ask you to bless your word and bless us as a people as we seek to be students of your word. Not for the sake of knowledge, but that we might know you, the one true God. Father, I pray as we go out from here, I just ask You to bless and keep us. I ask You, Lord, to uh, be gracious to us. I ask You, God, to lift up Your countenance upon us and to give us peace as we go. And may we live for You this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for your attention tonight. I know that was a whole lot to cover and a lot of uh, Scripture reading. I know we, we needed to read some of those passages. We didn't even scratch the surface of it. The end of Deuteronomy is real key to uh, getting the, the meat of, of what this covenant is about. Um, do thank you for being here tonight. Uh, the Lord bless you all. I hope you have a great week until we see you again uh, on Wednesday night. You're dismissed.